anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in another way, is a thief and a bandit. So says Jesus at the outset of today's gospel reading on this fourth Sunday in the season of Easter, which has come to be known as Good Shepherd Sunday. And he's right, of course. Most of the time, the people whose business it is to tend the sheep enter the pen by just walking through the open front gate. The shepherd, after all, is probably the one who built the sheepfold in the first place and will likely want to use the gate that they spent so much time putting into place. No one smashes down the back door of their own house either or breaks a window with a mask on in the dead of night to sneak into the place that they themselves own and live in. Or whatever they do, they're not sneaky about it. If we lose our keys or lock ourselves out of the house, as I've been known to do on occasion, we call the locksmith, don't we? Or the neighbor that we gave that spare key to. What we don't do, what we don't do is knock down the back door. And usually, once they arrive there with our spare key, we're ready with a self-deprecating joke or two, aren't we? But it would be strange indeed, though, just as Jesus says here, to be secretive or to be cryptic about entering a place where we know that we belong in order to be straightforward with people to whom we mean well. It is the thief And the bandit, Jesus says, the person who wants to steal something who sneaks in another way, you'll know them by how they enter, in other words. In this season of sharing Easter's joyous news, what Jesus seems to be saying here today is that there are ways to share and ways to lead and invite that pay homage to the integrity of the sheep. Ways that put on display a truly loving and dignifying invitation. But then there are also ways that do not. Good shepherding, it seems, involves more than just knowing the right pastures and how to keep the wolves away. It also involves knowing and loving and leading sheep in a very particular sort of way. And this morning, as we continue to move forward into this Eastertide season, which has already had something to say about the ways that we might relate to one another with transforming news, the ways, for example, that we might bear with Thomas, as we continue to move forward and deeper with that theme, what, I wonder, might Jesus' words today have to teach us not only about bearing with, but about what it looks like to tend those sheep as well. The problem with thieves and bandits in Jesus' parable, ironically enough though, isn't so much that they steal. Or at least it's not so much the loss of property that Jesus most laments about their approach. No, what defines them most especially here is what they do wrong that the good shepherd does right. By contrast, and if we look closely together this morning at how this good shepherd shepherds, we'll find, I think, 
three pronounced traits of the kind of leadership that Jesus wants to train and equip for the kingdom work that all are that are all missing in the way that these thieves and bandits go about their recruiting of their sheep. And the first, I think, can be found in the very first gesture of the shepherd. He enters through the front gate. Verses 2 and 3 here read like this, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice. He enters through the front gate, not the back somewhere, and neither does he hop the fence suddenly because good shepherding requires trust and trust requires transparency, doesn't it? Good shepherding requires trust and trust requires transparency. You can almost picture that shepherd entering slowly and carefully through that front gate so that the sheep can have time to check him out. And with his hands open in front of him maybe so that he can, they can see that he isn't hiding anything. It's kind of like meeting a dog for the first time, isn't it? You know, when you, when you meet a new dog, you have to be very slow and very gentle and careful in how you, you move when you're allowing them to get to know you for the first time. You've got to get down on their level a bit so that your size doesn't intimidate them. You've got to offer them the back of their hand to give them the time they need to sniff you out, don't you? And with a skittish dog, that might take a little more time and a treat or two. But of course, it's only then, only then, once they've checked you out and as much as they need to, that that they will let you pet them and start warming up to you, to you a little bit. It's that initial transparency that paves the way for trust. Most of that probably know that all too well, I suspect. But the point that Jesus is making is, is that's true of good shepherding as well. It's true of the way that Jesus calls us as bearers of the good news to draw others into Christian discipleship, to enter through the front gate, to be transparent about ourselves with others. And of course, if we're going to be transparent about ourselves with others, it's important that there be something in our hearts to be transparent about, isn't it? There should be something there to see. That's the first trait. The second trait follows naturally on the first, and we can already see it hinted towards at the end of this verse that we just read. But listen again to what Jesus says happens after that shepherd enters through that front gate. He says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When, and when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them because they know his voice. They get to know his voice. He gets to know their names. And that's what allows the shepherd to walk in front of the sheep and trust that they'll stay behind him. 
That loving relationship, that growing mutual knowledge that's built up on the basis of that initial trust. You know, I've, I've never really thought about this before this week, but, but this, I think, must be a challenge of the trade of shepherding in general, what's alluded to here. How do you get the sheep to follow your lead? How do you get to the point as a shepherd where you're walking ahead of the flock? I would have suspected that most shepherds would stay at the back of the flock and drive those sheep along, wouldn't you? And you know, when when you're driving a herd, you're back there in the back and along the sides correcting and, and steering them back on course all of the time. Driving a herd, it seems to me, is exactly what you do when you don't trust the herd. As a matter of fact, it's what you do when you, when you do trust that they're going to wander dependably every which way unless you forcibly steer them forward. There was that movie from the early 90s, City Slickers. Anyone seen City Slickers? One of my favorites. It's with Billy Crystal and and Jack Palance, and it's about a couple of city folks taking this sort of exotic adventure vacation where they learn how to be cowboys and ultimately end up driving a herd of cattle from somewhere in New Mexico, I think, to their summer pastures. And of course, as that movie shows, being a cowboy is all about learning how to drive those cattle, isn't it? It's about learning how to use those lassos and those calls and and horse riding techniques to keep pushing that herd forward and forward and forward. But the interesting thing about Jesus' parable is that he's not calling leaders to drive cattle here. He says that the good shepherd will go ahead of them and the sheep will follow him because they know his voice. It would be hard to catch that distinction, I think, if we didn't know a thing or two about shepherding. But the real difference between the two, it seems to me, is less about where the shepherd is in relation to the flock and more about the kind of relationship that he's calling attention to here. Jesus wants his shepherds to be able to lead from the front because he also expects them to put in the work of developing deep, loving, trusting relationships so that when the shepherd goes on ahead, the sheep will follow of their own accord. Jesus calls us all how to learn to be the kinds of shepherds that can lead rather than drive a flock. So far, These are just two of the traits that Jesus models for us and calls forth from us all as Christian leaders. And this applies to every sort of leadership, whether it's in your home or your work or wherever. These are the traits of leaders who in their leadership do more than just manage, but also love and seek to build up in the sheep their own capacity to follow and do the good of their own volition. So far, those two traits are, number one, the transparency that paves the way to trust, right? 
And number two, that trust that sets the stage for loving relationship and loving companionship in this way of shepherding. But the third trait that I want to call attention to from this passage today similarly builds on these prior ones, just like the second did on the first. And that involves what I was just alluding to a moment ago, and I want to call it agency. Agency, free will, allowing the sheep the freedom and the ability to follow under their own powers and their own desires. The kind of shepherd leadership that Jesus calls for is the kind that grants those sheep their agency, even as it aims at encouraging them and teaching them how to follow in their own way and under their own free will. This isn't coercive leadership, in other words. As it says here in verse 4, when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them because they know his voice. They follow willingly, in other words, at their own pace, of their own free will, not because someone is forcing them to, not because the shepherd is driving them, and not because they've been tricked into doing it. They learn how to follow under their own agency, their own free will. And the shepherds in their leadership have learned how to lead in such a way that acknowledges that and even celebrates that. Isn't that sort of leadership just a microcosm of the gospel itself? Because the gospel itself is not about it is about, excuse me, God transforming hearts, not so that they can be manipulated or coerced, but so that they can be led into a new and abundant life. The gospel has always been about birthing, the birthing of new hearts inside of us so that we of our own volition, of our own free will can learn to follow Christ and pursue the good because we're listening to the shepherd's voice acting out of the heart that's been redeemed and transformed and of its own choosing, chooses to follow where the good shepherd leads. I think this very point is perhaps one of the most important points of all, especially as it alludes to, alludes to prevalent misunderstandings and the charge that is often leveled against Christian leaders of different kinds. And that is that they're going to try to get you to do something that you don't want to do. Well, that may be true of some, absolutely. To the extent, though, that that's to an extent, though, that's true of every single manager that ever lived, isn't it? Religious or not. They're all trying to get those that they oversee to do something that they don't always want to do. They're trying to get them to work. And in ways that are organized towards a common goal which is not something that every worker naturally wants to do. But the thing that's different and important about what Jesus is saying here is that that's exactly what he doesn't want his shepherds to do. He doesn't want them to, to manage or coerce in heavy-handed or manipulative sorts of ways. He wants them to tend their flocks so that the sheep will follow of their own free will. 
Just like Jesus himself tends his flock so that we may learn to follow of our own free will. So that our will may be truly free to pursue his goodness and grace. So that we might learn to love one another and to follow even and to take joy in the following. I want you to see today that each of these three traits of Christian leadership that Jesus spells out for us here today are exactly the things that these thieves and robbers in this parable cut short by being thieves and robbers. The first point was about being transparent so as to pave the way for trust, wasn't it? The thieves and the robbers just take what they want by force and subterfuge. By definition, there is no transparency in their sneakiness, or in their deceptiveness. Those things are at cross-purposes with developing trust. The second point was about that trust leading into relationship where the sheep know the shepherd's voice and the shepherd knows their names. There is no such relational effort from these thieves or these bandits. Their thievery has undermined trust from the outset, hasn't it? And the kind of leadership that they steward, if you want to call it that, is in spite of relationship, rather than something that's made possible by it. Finally, the thieves and the robbers cut short the possibility of all agency and free will or reciprocity, don't they? Because they take by force. They coerce. They manipulate. There's simply no place for a willing, responsive heart of a fellow human being to gesture back to someone who takes by force, coerces, and manipulates. If they had asked for what they wanted, another human being could have weighed that and made a choice of their own. And something good, perhaps, and loving could have taken place. But alas, they have undermined that possibility too. What Jesus is equipping us for here today is leadership that models God's love for the world. Leadership that sees and acknowledges these sheep and leads them into greater pastures of life. One in which they themselves have done some of the growing and transforming in love because of the leading. May it be so with us all as we follow Christ's lead to, to lead the world in the light of the good news of Easter. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.